Hey, welcome once again to the Hole in My Heart podcast. You're listening to episode 33, Sexual Discipleship. Yes, my name is Lori and I am here with my husband, Matt Krieg. Matt, Matt, guess who's back? Matt is back. Great, <laughs> right, it's good to be back. I know, after last week we missed you. Re- yeah. Steve was our resident therapist. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he, he did a great job. <laughs> but this week we actually have two therapists in the house. In addition to Matt Creek, we have psychologist Dr. Julie Slattery, who is our special guest, author, speaker, and fellow podcaster. So welcome, Julie. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, you are welcome. We officially met about like a month or two ago in Chicago when we recorded a couple podcasts with you for uh, your authentic intimacy uh, ministry in Java with Julie. Um, And after like chatting, and then I read your book, an early release copy of Redeeming Sexuality. And I was like, we got to get this girl on. We got to We got to talk to her. So we're so excited to have you here. Yeah. Hey, it was great to connect with you and Matt in Chicago and looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, we are too. But before we do that, like we do every week, we talk about our question of the week from last week. And um, we got some feedback from listeners this week, which is awesome, uh, as far as their mentorship experiences and what are characteristics of um, mentors, what's been helpful, what hasn't, especially this is kind of a foreshadow to what we're going to be talking about later as far as sexual discipleship and what that is. Um, so before we, I ask y'all about your positive mentorship experiences. I'm going to give a straight up shout out to our listeners and (laughs) at least Instagrammers. Um, So Les Andrew, I really loved how you said what was really helpful for you in mentorship was how uh, your mentor didn't try and save you. It's like a really kind of fine line as far as like holding back the sentences that you're like, but don't do that without saying directly, but don't do that. Um, I appreciated that. Meg Batts, I'm really uh, appreciative of how you said how pursuant uh, or how relentless mentors have been for you. Um, I think that's a character quality that's really just nice when someone's like, I'm not giving up on you. I love you. We're, we're in this. And then um, MJ Grace, I don't know your full name. Uh, I really liked how you appreciated in your mentors how they pushed you out of your comfort zone. So maybe I'll just shift into that. Just mentorship for me. Um, I've talked often about my mentor and spiritual Dumbledore. That's always her name from Harry <laughs> Potter. Carolyn, who's been on this podcast. And um, I just appreciated there was no panic in her voice when she talked with me. So there was no like anxiety as far as like, oh my word, this chick is losing it. It was always very um, just gentle and Jesus-like. And she's actually the one who said to me like, Lori, picture Jesus starting his ministry. And he knows I got three years. So he's leaving where he was at with his families and he walks on this dusty road. And you think maybe he'd be like, I think I'm going to invent the internet. <laughs> like, I'm going to send out an e-blast to everyone about how they need me. Um, but he just starts walking and meeting with people one by one. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Mentorship? Yeah. I, I, when you say mentorship, I immediately think of my, my high school uh, youth pastor. Um, and I, I think the biggest thing that he did for me was when I was in this like low place, really like depressed and kind of, you know, he moved me out of that depression or he helped to. Um, and, and one of the things was just genuinely listening. It wasn't this like scripted. He had his things that he wanted me to do and mm-hmm. checklist of things. It was, I mean, the things that I remember most were when he just like drove us to the gas station and we got Mountain Dew <laughs> and just drove around in his truck <laughs> and talked. 
<laughs> the gateway drug to alcohol yeah. for kids. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. But. You know when junior hires like, oh, I just drink a whole two liter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I, my <laughs> friends and I were definitely the ones who were like, yeah, I had seven cans this morning before yeah. school. It yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. You, no, you didn't. Pounded Skittles right after. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, funny. Yeah, I, I'm old enough to have had a few in, influential mentors in my life. And I would say that all of them had the quality that I appreciated of showing me what to shoot for. You know, it's like you want to grow in your faith. You want to grow as a person. But that sounds so nebulous until you have somebody that actually gives you an example of this is what you can look like mm-hmm. 10 years down the road if you keep pursuing the Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they're they're living it like they're a live right. person in front of you. So it's not even just like this ethereal thing, this nebulous thing. It's yeah, it's a person with flesh. Yeah, on. I mean, you can follow them around and see like how they handle arguments with their husband and yeah. what they do with their kids' temper tantrum and all yeah. that stuff. After they've downed a whole two liter of Mountain Dew, like <laughs> yeah, what exactly. do they do? Obviously, yeah. I think the two liter may change at some point, though. Mm. No Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Something more refined. <laughs> Sorry, side note. I walk into my three-year-old daughter tonight or this afternoon, and she's just chugging honey just out of the bottle. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Lord, help me. I love sugar, and so does she. All right, Steve. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I don't have a whole lot to add. What you guys have said is great. I think that whole leading by example, you know, yeah. just having that picture of I am a little bit ahead of you and we're kind of on this uphill climb mm. and you may look at the terrain and go, this is impossible. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm not going to carry you, but mm. I will show you. And every once in a while, I'll turn around. I'll encourage you. I'll say, yeah. you know, this can be done. You know, yep. it really can. Yeah. And you can do it. You know, and do you have any questions about specifics of, you know, like that kind of thing. But for the most part, just, you know, that kind of follow me sort of thing, I think, is a great picture. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right. Now we are going to go to Goofball Island, the time of the show where we take a vacation from our problems or this show gets (laughs) way too serious. And so we're going to take a wildebeest because I've been listening to the Lion King soundtrack. Also, it's one of the questions. Okay, so we're going to play Would You Rather with two questions I came up with and then the third one from a listener. So the first one, everyone gets to answer. Would you rather have the laugh of a dolphin where every time you laugh, it sounds like a dolphin noises, like, (laughs) or the only haircut you have for the rest of your life is the MacGyver mullet. Oh, man. So clean mullet. It is a clean mullet. I mean, yeah. as far as mullets go, it's it is high class. You can't see it, but I'm making like the the okay symbol behind the mic, like mm, yeah. So we know Primo. your answer. Primo Primo there mullet. we go. Oh yeah, I would definitely choose the mullet because fun fact, I had one when I was growing up, and it was also a clean mullet. Can I please post a picture? <laughs> I mean, we are pretty raw on this podcast, so um, okay. Yeah. <gasps> I will give you, you permission. You all heard it here. I'm going to post it. I will it. give you permission. Okay. Please do not, do not destroy <laughs> the, the, the wonderful memories that I have of, okay. of fourth and fifth grade. I would for sure do dolphin noises because I don't want to rock a mullet for the rest of my life. <laughs> How about you, Julie? Oh, definitely dolphin noises. I yeah. feel like that's not even a question. I know. <laughs> that is very interesting because I, like Matt, feel strongly about... The mullet. Yeah. Not that I love the mullet so much, but 
you know, like... I would never be able to laugh again. Right. In the job I'm in, sometimes oh. I do have to publicly laugh. I mean, I don't have to, but Steve I do find is a, myself a DJ. Uh, yes, I'm uh, I'm in radio in and radio, sometimes sorry. we, we uh, laugh. Yeah. And that would just like, oh man, people would instantly be changing the, the <laughs> Right. Oh, wait, no, that's not. That's that, that's more, that's of, more a of a sea line. Yeah. You yeah. I'll let you play a sound. You could remind <laughs> us of what dolphins sound like. Dolphin okay. like this. Second, oh, what? But also, the mullet, Yeah. my wife fell in love with me because of my oh, mullet. We are going to post two it pictures was... <laughs> of you guys with mullets. That's I, I really week's... think we should do some sort of poll, like who had the greatest mullet in history? Okay, I'll wow. do it for our like, Instagram Andre Agassi? <laughs> oh, my word. Billy Ray Cyrus? Well, uh, now that he's, we've he's right there. figured mm-hmm. out that Julie and I are right, so there's right and wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think some of that's so just gender, though. I mean, it is. a guy yeah. can get away with a mullet. I know. What, a girl really can't. What, what well. is the feminine equivalent of a mullet? Good question. Wow. High wow. bangs? <laughs> Short bangs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 80s bangs? Right. I, I don't know. I mean, this is dating myself, but I just keep thinking of like a, a Cindy Lauper haircut. Yeah. I don't know if you're oh, old yeah. enough to remember what we'll her post hair it. looked like. We'll but. post them all. Don't worry, Julie. We got you. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Okay. All right. Next question. Would you rather have to play a 20 second theme song every time you walk into a room with other people in it or have to wake up every morning singing the circle of life at the top of your voice? <laughs> Every either all of these questions, Matt's like no brainer, no brainer. Oh no, and we this, were opposite this one on is is very easy. What? <laughs> so the MacGyver mullet well, is that, going to oh. be your theme song for walking into a room. Probably nine times out of ten, yeah, it would be either <laughs> that or like really seagulls. Seagulls, stop it now. The I mean, there, there, there's d- so many, so yeah. many good. You would hate when I walked into a room. Let well, me just tell you that. You'd hate when I would wake up because it would be real <laughs> loud because that's the one I'm picking. I would circle of life it every time. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And real you wake loud. up early. So that would have to change. <laughs> you, would just... you, you would have to wait till sunrise because that's what happened in the movie. So oh, my word. Perfect. <laughs> Julie, how about you? This is a tough one. Oh, I don't think it's a tough one. I'm with you. I do the circle of life because I just keep picturing like walking in a church late or a movie. And yeah, that would be I mean, bad. you can make your theme song, whatever's being sung up on stage. I was envisioning one theme song. You got one you song. You got to stick with the same oh, You just said a theme song. I'm oh. thinking like I get to change with the moods. I, like I get to set the tone whenever I walk into a room. <laughs> like it's your boom box on your shoulder. Kind of, like, yeah. Up, with, church? with unlimited potential. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see that kind of changes it for me too. If it is always got to be the same song, yeah. then you can't like, you know, cater it to the to the moment yeah, yeah, yeah. and to your current vibe and mood and yeah. all that. So, with that caveat, I guess I'm going to go with boy, I sure wish it was Hakuna Matata instead of Circle of Life. But, but it's the Ah, so yes. yeah, that's got to be extra loud oh, in the morning. Man, yeah, man. I, I picked it on purpose. <laughs> Me loud in the morning. I really try to be stealthy in the morning. I am a morning ninja. I guess that. I guess those days are over. Also, what? that picture will be posted as well. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Morning ninja. Steve, morning ninja Steve. You got a new name. It's not producer Steve. Morning ninja Steve. Oh, oh my word. Okay, didn't we didn't see that coming. <laughs> All right, last one. This one's from a listener, and hopefully this one will be less dige- like digested. No, disgust. There's the word. Um, okay. Would you rather turn everything you touch into Skittles 
or have everything you eat taste like bananas and then bananas taste like burgers. <laughs> I don't know why I just tickled my funny bone. <laughs> wow. I would eat so many bananas. Because you don't want to eat all the <laughs> Because burgers. I would yeah. obviously choose the second one. I don't want like my computer turning into Skittles yeah. when I'm or trying me, to. Or me, like. Or, or my kids. Lots Or wife. anything. It's like, it's like the Midas, you know, <laughs> Lots conundrum. Lots wife, but with Skittles. <laughs> you know what would be really funny. frustrating is if the thing turned into Skittles, yeah. but then when you took your hand off it, it turned back <gasps> so that you could never actually eat them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like you, you only oh, saw it. Oh, Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> But I can't actually get them to my mouth because... So you're just having delusions where anything you touch (laughs) looks like Skittles. I... uh, But doesn't fall apart. Doesn't like cascade in a shower of Skittles (laughs) down to the floor. It's just like a solid pillar of Skittles. A pillar of Skittles. Yeah. Like salt. No. I think I would go with the bananas and banana burgers. Because I don't want everyone to turn into Skittles. Except with that whole optical illusion thing. I don't know. That's messing with me. <laughs> Julie, this is probably the most important question you'll ever be asked in your life. So what's your answer? Oh, it's a terrible question. Yeah. I don't want either of them. I hate bananas. Oh, no. <laughs> well, Yeah, I think I'll just get a mullet. How's that? <laughs> Full circle. Nicely nice. done. Very that good. was very, very good. good. <laughs> All right, we're set. Wait, did I say what we were riding to Goofball Island? I said wildebeest. Okay, so we'll get back on. (laughs) Except it'd be kind of fun. Anyway, I'm like maybe a lion. That'd be a little bit Mm. probably less rickety. (laughs) Okay, we thought way too much about this Goofball Island today, but we are going to shift now to the heart of the matter. So, um, Julie, this the reason that we do this podcast, believe it or not, is to talk about the gospel and how it is good news for everybody every day. And so we love to ask every guest who comes on. On. How is the gospel first good news for you, and how is it currently? How is it still good news for you? Hmm, really good question. Um, yeah, I was one of those kids that grew up in church and heard the story of the gospel a gazillion times yeah. and accepted Jesus um, as at a young age. And so it's hard for me to remember like when that was first good news because I heard it growing up, um, and I think it became more good news as. I realized um, just almost the the bondage of feeling like I had to perform for God all the time, even as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's common growing up in a Christian culture where it's like, yeah, I'm going to heaven, but I have to earn God's love. Like I still have to earn his approval. And um, I think I was probably like in my early 20s when it really started to sink in that the gospel is about freedom, not just from an eternity without God, but freedom from, uh, you know, the the pressure of having to earn your value and earn love. And so, uh, you know, I think over the last couple decades, I've just continued to go deeper in that, um, which makes God's grace so much more real. Wow. I love that. I think everyone can understand Mm -hmm. who's ever wrestled with that uh, tension of works versus I'm just loved and this is what I want to do because I know I'm loved. So what is your job and how does it play into that? (laughs) Well, it's funny if you ask my three sons what my job is, (laughs) one of them will say, well, mom talks about the birds and the bees, but 
she she talks about it all the time to women. So <laughs> that's his description. But oh. um, but essentially, I run a ministry called Authentic Intimacy. Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist, as you mentioned, by training. But this uh, this phase of my life is really all about teaching and writing mm-hmm. uh, and discipling women in the area of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so every day looks a little bit different depending on uh, the challenge in front of me. But I get to just integrate biblical truth, uh, gospel truth, uh, with psychological truth, uh, and also just with the real life questions and pain that people are experiencing around issues of intimacy and sexuality. Love that. And it so resonates with much of what we talk about on this podcast with guests that we bring in and whenever we speak and write. And so um, I've loved reading what you've written, and especially um, the new book that's coming out in July, just the re rethinking rethinking or redeeming sexuality it's rethinking rethinking yep. okay sorry uh-huh. i said it wrong earlier okay. rethinking sexuality um but whenever i see people stepping into this conversation with courage i always find a story like a um, origin story of a, a precious encounter with god with the holy spirit and so when we had lunch after we recorded java with julie you shared some of that and so i'd love to just have our audience who's perhaps wrestling with um, sexuality and the gospel and how where that tension is, just like how you chose because of the Holy Spirit's prompting to step into this conversation with courage. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you right now that without uh, the Holy Spirit filling me, there's no way I could do what I'm doing mm-hmm. because I don't have the courage yeah. uh, nor the wisdom mm-hmm. to be dealing with issues that that I'm dealing with in this ministry, but God gives uh, it every day. And uh, as you mentioned, the ministry was born out of a very intense year of seeking the Lord, just sort of out of nowhere. There wasn't a crisis in my life. It was almost like God just said, you're going to seek me and uh, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that um, really didn't fit in my box. I was like, what's happening to me? <laughs> um, but uh, but it went through about 10 months of just you know, just being being just drawn to see God and, and feeling anguish and actually mm-hmm. even feeling physical pain in my chest mm-hmm. um, that I knew was just a manifestation of God's work. And I began to ask the Lord over months, you know, what are you doing in my life? And what is this pain and this anguish I'm feeling? And he began to reveal to me uh, just all the pain that and women in particular are carrying around issues of sexuality and was bringing women in my life with different kinds of sexual issues. You know, mm. some that just were struggling in their marriage, others who felt betrayed in marriage, uh, many who had uh, sexual trauma in their past, uh, you know, women wrestling with different areas of confusion around sexuality. And so um, the Lord just really clearly one day showed me, this is your call. This is my call in your life. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was working for a large uh, ministry focused on the family and ended up just quitting that job and starting this ministry uh, with, with a co-founder by faith and have been Mm -hmm. walking by faith ever since. Wow. 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 Again, those are um, just, thank you for doing what you're doing. And then I just love that because I think there's moments where maybe um, someone I'm walking with, she calls it a bump, like where you get bumped by the Holy Spirit or sometimes like pressured Mm -hmm. and just like, hey, like feel this burden with me. If you feel it this much, I feel it a trillion times more. And so to just hear your like, you could have just ignored it or just like written it off as whatever this weird thing. But to actually lean in is such a... um, 
a courageous move and also, I don't know, like the mentoring, discipling us right now and you're facing it as opposed to running from it. So just thanks for that. Well, I, I really can't take credit because yeah. God was so strong in my life at that time. I literally couldn't say no. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't take any of the credit. It was like, yeah. yeah. And sometimes God works that way where yeah. it's like his presence is so strong that you don't have a choice. <laughs> you don't yeah. want a choice. You just want to be with him. Uh, yes. well, and so. it, it, it takes that realization of his presence in your life and his like direct calling, like, this is where I want you to go. Usually for us to, you know, as you had to do, leave a probably pretty comfortable job, you know, mm -hmm. in order to take this leap of faith and, and start something new that, that really has, I don't want to say like completely changed the landscape, but has been paving a, a road for, for women to start, you know, talking about sexual issues. Um, mm -hmm. And also like not feeling just isolated because so many people are dealing with stuff in silence because the church hasn't talked about it mm. in the past very much. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a joy and it's great to link arms with ministries like yours mm -hmm. that have similar calls. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just such a great need that I love seeing God just activate the body of Christ to begin addressing that need. Yes. And, um, which moves us nicely into this conversation just specifically about sexual discipleship and what that is. We at HIMH are starting, we're launching um, a new program, really a, a ministry focus called Journey Well. And we're going to be doing webinars and in-person, just training people specifically on how to walk with your kid, with yourself, with your friend, um, as a mentor, uh, with people who identify as LGBT or are wrestling. And so that's launching next month, May and June. But then too, we go in and train whole organizations. How can you journey well with people? Um, and so we are passionate, not just about being the one-stop shop where you send people to us to meet with them, but we want to equip the church to journey well alongside people who are not just identifying as LGBT, but are wrestling with sexual brokenness. And so we're using some of my curriculum that I wrote that I'm, dear Jesus, publish it soon, um, that I'm working on right now. But Julie, your resource, this Rethinking Sexuality, is so helpful in that you do the big picture hey, what is this sexual discipleship thing? And then you offer real practical pieces to it, which I love. So let's big picture it for a second. What is sexual discipleship and, and why is it important? Yeah, um, you know, when people first hear that term, some people freak out like that just sounds really weird. Yeah. What is sexual discipleship? You never put those two words together. Right. Um, but it really, this idea really came to me out of the work that we've been doing at Authentic Intimacy and realizing that we have been sexually discipled by the world. Mm -hmm. And and when I use that term discipled, I mean, we've been, we've been taught how to think. And I think at best, the church is trying to teach us what to think. And um, there's yeah. a big difference. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's maybe the churches are trying to answer questions like, uh, is gay marriage approved by God? Or how do I get rid of my pornography addiction? Instead of realizing that our whole perspective on why sexuality even matters and where's God in the midst of our sexuality, our whole, our whole mindset has been warped by the way we've been trained by the world to think about sexuality. Yes. And uh, so it's really a larger call to step back from all the problems we're trying to solve and to recognize the biggest problem is we have no idea where 
where God is in this conversation and, uh, you know, how to integrate our faith with, uh, with our experience, with our sexuality. Um, so that's kind of um, the big picture view of it. And it's encouraging leaders and parents, uh, mentors to recognize that in order to make a difference uh, in our churches and our families and people's lives, it cannot be one conversation mm-hmm. or one support group that helps you deal with a single issue. Right. We have to learn how to have an ongoing conversation, including uh, including sharing our lives with each other, being authentic about the way we we each struggle and where's God in the midst of that struggle. So it's kind of presenting a model of, of how we begin doing that effectively in whatever setting God puts us in. Yes. It's really neat. I'm sure you're seeing this too. And we talked about this with Bill Henson last week from Lead Them Home, just how there are churches starting to really hunger and, and lean into this conversation, just the big picture sexuality conversation and just this focus on God. And it's so fun. As I said to church leaders I was meeting with today, I was like, if you guys are leaning in, I want to lean in back. And so it's neat to see. And I'm, I'm sure you're seeing that too, Julie. Yeah, um, we are. I think even within the last six months, yeah. uh, I think, you know, churches have gotten to the point where they recognize we can't ignore this anymore. Yes. Uh, and not only that, we, the, it's almost like you think of the whack-a-mole game, mm. you know, it's mm-hmm. like, there's the pornography whack-a-mole, there's yeah. the marriages falling apart, there's yes. the cohabitation and the yep. hookup culture. And we can't just keep whacking the moles. No. We've got to just take a step back and say, um, you know, we've, we've got to, we've got to address this issue holistically first. Yeah. Which is what we've been talking about, even as we're meeting with leaders, like specifically because we work off most often in the LGBT conversation, we're like the LGBT conversation is a small mirror reflecting back into the dark places of our churches and in our lives and in our hearts. Like, hey, I've got a lot of hypocrisy. I'm willing to point the finger at you, but I'm not willing to look back in my own heart or, you know, when people are like, I just want to witness to LGBT people. And it's like, well, do you witness to anyone? Like, who's yeah. the last person you discipled? Or, you know, I, it's, it's really just points back to areas where we have not looked. And that's a good thing. But it's extremely humbling and hard. Like you said, Julie, with, you know, willingness to lean into the Holy Spirit where he's pushing you. This is like, this is time, church. <laughs> is mm-hmm. hard places are getting pushed on. And are we going to lean in or are we going to run? And it's neat to watch people start to lean in. Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, along with that, what you're saying is we have to redefine this this whole concept of what does sexual brokenness mean? Yeah. You know, is it just talking about LGBT folks? Is it just talking about people with trauma or sexual addiction? Mm. Or can we change it to be like, in any aspect to which I am not living according to this beautiful metaphor that God designed sexuality to be, yeah. I have broke, I have brokenness in yes. my life. Yes. And um, that, that includes all of us. And yeah. I think the conversation changes. It becomes more threatening, but it also becomes more powerful when we all admit that we have our own pockets of this. Yeah. It's funny because we're willing to admit like physical brokenness. Like, I mean, I got a bad knee, bad eyes, I can wear glasses or even emotional at some level, like I, anxiety, depression. But then it's like sexual. No, no, no. Like that's mm-hmm. for you. That's for them. That's for those. But it's everything was affected by the fall, it says in Romans 8. So yeah. 
So if someone is like, I want to lean into this sexual discipleship thing, how do they know if they have like the character qualities ready to lean in? Like what's, what's the grit necessary for a person to be able to be like, I want to help people in this area and I want to sexually disciple them. What characteristics do you look oh, for? Wow. Um, good question. Yeah, I think ask just their desire is, is huge, you yeah. know, to say, Hey, this is something I really sense that God is calling me to. Um, but you know, every time, God calls somebody to something in scripture, it always begins with an encounter with them, you know, just that person and the Lord. Mm -hmm. And very often we see in the prophets that true change begins with the prophets actually on their face, like weeping and saying, God, forgive me because uh, Mm -hmm. these are the sins of my own sins of my own family, my own people and identifying with the sinful Mm-hmm. And um, I really believe that's where the grit comes from. It doesn't come from this view that I have so much to offer somebody else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from I've encountered God in such a powerful way that I'm just a leaky vessel that, <laughs> you know, I want I want the Lord to pour through. Yes. Um, and I think as good as your intentions might be, and I've been in this place where where I want to go help somebody out of my strength, mm. and you never have the stamina to do that. Mm. Um, but when you when you're called because God has broken you and you've experienced the power of God's Spirit in and through you, uh, it's Him doing the work. So you have the stamina. All you got to do is show up. And mm. um, so. Um, that's the first place we have to begin is really asking the Lord, have I been at that place? And if I haven't, would you, would you start with me? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's dangerous prayer. <laughs> Cause you're basically asking for uh, pain because <laughs> there's no refiner like pain. It, it's true. Um, but it's almost more like, we have the pain, but we yeah. just mask it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like God bringing new pain into right. my life. It's like, yep. hey, I've been masking this, you know, with my my acceptable addictions or with my pride and with my busyness. Uh, and I think when the scripture talks about be still and know that I am God, you know, we're still. <laughs> and we stop moving and we stop feeding the things that comfort us. Then it's not new pain but yes. it's God really helping us maybe face it for the first time. That's it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's funny because you're talking about this and I'm like immediately thinking of the whole like conversion story of Paul, you know, on the road to Damascus. It takes this like encounter with God where here was a guy who completely covered his pain and his own stuff by being like perfect, you know, by mm-hmm. being pharisaical and a zealot. And, you know, he talks about it, but then it's like, out of this encounter with God and the recognition of, holy cow, this God that I've been a zealot for, I've actually been like fighting against out of my own human strength. Mm. Like he then becomes this, like the single greatest mentor outside of like Jesus Christ that the Bible has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. where he's, you, people like Timothy and Silas and Onesimus and all these, all these people that he interacted with and, and really gave us foundation for a lot of our belief system and it it all started with this recognition of god appearing in his life and saying hey what you think you're doing for me is not actually it i have something else for you Mm -hmm. yeah and paul as we know had that 
you know, dramatic encounter with Jesus that changed him immediately. I think most of us, the more normal journey of that is we have these journeys of of encounters, Mm -hmm. you know, like first the Lord showed me this and then five years later this happened and he showed me this about himself. Um, But God works in different ways in each of our lives. But, you know, I share the story of how God, how I encountered him six years ago. But I will tell you that I probably spent a good 10 or 15 years before that asking the Lord for something like that. Wow. Um, you know, God, just show yourself to me. Just, you know, show me how I can serve you. Wow. Uh, and I went many years without him seeming to answer that prayer. And so um, God's timing is not our timing. But we know in Scripture that when our heart is inclined to him and asking for more of him and to be used by him, that he's always going to answer that prayer mm-hmm. in his own way and in his own timing. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love how you're starting, like the characteristics of someone who's ready to step in and disciple is someone who's ready to get on their face and like let the waves of refinement uh, from our past and our present, like just get us, prepare us. So Mm -hmm. when I see people like trying to specifically step in the LGBT conversation or anything, I see this tension within them of like, Uh, I want to say what's true, but I don't know when to say it or how to say it. Like, what's the character quality needed there to like wrestle with that grace, truth, tension? Wow. Um, I, you know, I, I think that you would have a lot to say in this because (laughs) you're doing this every day. But um, from my perspective, I think the most important character quality that we can have is humility. Yeah. Um, And as we look at the life of Jesus, you know, Jesus, that, that's a one character quality that best describes his time on earth. Uh, mm-hmm. And Philippians chapter two talks about that, like, mm-hmm. you know, following the humility of Jesus and explains how he was humble. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of an old writer named Andrew Murray, and he oh, wrote yeah. this little book called Humility that uh, has repeatedly rocked my world. But one of the things that he says is that humility isn't a virtue along with the others. It's mm-hmm. the soil from which every other virtue grows. So it's good. the heart attitude. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it's humility that that prompts me to shut up when I want to speak, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put aside my own agenda of even a good agenda of I want to convince this person of the truth. Totally. That good agenda might not be God's agenda in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's humility that 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 brings me before the scriptures and and reminds me that what I think and, you know, all my intellect and everything I'm learning, it's nothing compared to the holy word of God. And mm-hmm. so Humility keeps us grounded both in truth before the Lord and grace with other people. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's a, a character quality that, it, again, you never want to pray for humility. It's scary <laughs> to pray for it. Because um, it's like, what are you going to do, Lord? I know, you're like, you know, look up. Are you going to deform my face? Yeah. Or, you know, make me just embarrass myself all the time. But yeah. um, An but anvil fall from of, the sky, like cartoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I think if we want to be effective in these conversations, that's that's the courageous prayer we have to have. Yes. Um, because otherwise, we're going to err on one side or the other. That's it. Oh, that's so good. Um, 
there's a lot more character qualities that we could lean into, but I would love to just take a minute to have you, Julie, kind of like sexually disciple us in this room. Um, just some phrases that I've loved that you have come out with in this book and just in listening to your podcast of just the idea of what what is covenant love? Um, when I heard that, when I first heard it on one of your podcasts, I was like, huh, that's really profound. So what is that? Well, I, you know, covenant love is what, perhaps one of the most important concepts for us to be pursuing and understanding God's purpose for sexuality. Um, and I know we don't have time to go in depth into this, um, but sexuality, I believe, based on scripture, was ultimately created as a physical way for us to be drawn into and experience the importance of covenant love. Mm. Um, so covenant love is the love, kind of love that God says that he has for his people. And it's a love that is not based on performance. It's a love that's based on promise. Mm. And uh, really the only rela- human relationship that we have where you choose to make a lifelong promise to someone is the relationship of marriage. Um, like your kids, you don't really get to choose. You just you just have to take care of them and love them. Uh, you know, with your friends, you can love them as long as they're being good friends back. Yeah. Um, but the call of marriage is to, is to have the courage to step into learning what it is, at least a, a little bit of the kind of love that God has for us when he says, nothing can separate you from my love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will love you forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will never leave you or forsake you. And the vows of marriage were meant to be a physical way of us experiencing that. And sexuality was created to be a way to draw us into that, mm-hmm. but also to celebrate it. And so a lot of the teaching that I do through Authentic Intimacy is based on this foundation of understanding theologically and practically what covenant love is and the link that it has to sexuality. Yes. That's so good. I'm going to have to go back and listen. In fact, I will. Uh, But how does this, like when I was listening uh, before and just in relationship to this whole idea of sexuality in our bodies and this covenant love, you you say a phrase too about how... um, how the gospel is written in our bodies. And I know that comes from, you know, the whole theology of the body book. Uh, but what what do you mean by that? Break that down for the lay person. Absolutely. So if, if we look at our sexuality um, and this idea of covenant love, it is sexual desire that awakens within, say, a teenager, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden they're so distracted by sexual desire that, you know, they're distracted from their hobbies, they're distracted from their sports, uh, they go to college, they can't study because they're so distracted by this this cute person, or even just the drive or the desire uh, to be intimate, to express themselves sexually. Uh, and that that's one piece of it, that your body is constantly telling you physiologically and neurologically that you are not made to be alone. Mm. Um, so the second piece of it, and again, we could, you know, I could spend a day unpacking this. Yeah. This is what I love to study. <laughs> but great. the second piece of it is that sexuality was given within marriage to celebrate a covenant promise. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, again, I could go into all the biology that mm-hmm. we're learning to prove that, yeah. um, that sexuality, what it does in our bodies and in our brains and that sexual fidelity within the marriage is the promise of covenant love. Yeah. 
Uh, And again, we look at research of what happens uh, emotionally and biologically when people break their covenant promise sexually. Mm -hmm. Uh, It brings destruction. And so if we look at that and we say, okay, our bodies are telling us the story Mm -hmm. of longing, of longing for a love uh, that, that is real and yeah. can be tangible and celebrated uh, and cemented with a promise, even a promise of giving my body. Mm. And uh, within our bodies, it's telling us the story that when you break that promise of faithfulness, then destruction and grief happens. Yeah. That's the gospel yeah. right there. And yes. So um, it's pretty crazy. Again, the more I do the research into the neuro- neurology of our bodies and the chemicals, of how our bodies, the way they're wired, the way God wired them, uh, literally, tangibly tells a story uh, of God's love for us and His faithfulness to us and the importance of our faithfulness to Him. That's so good. And I just feel your like giddiness. And, and I'm like, that's, uh, it just, that's, that makes yeah. it more celebratory than like, uh, like just, it's so broken. It's so easy to point to brokenness when it comes to sexuality. But it's so beautiful when you look at, okay, God, this actually is a good thing. This is designed well. Yeah, well, I, it's I, a great thing. I guess I have a question, though, following up, because obviously, like, covenant love within within a marriage, you know, where, where sexuality can be expressed is, is you know, is the, the physical metaphor that, that God created. However, not everyone is called into marriage. You know, some people mm-hmm. are, are called to, to singleness for their life. And, and so... How does how does this like desire for for covenant love and, and intimacy? How does that yeah. relate with this this idea that okay you don't have this physical expression that that people who are married are are able to enjoy? Yeah, absolutely. So a great question. This is one of the the reasons that I I so love um, this explanation of sexuality because it means that every single person in their current state is playing a part in this narrative. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is um, those who are single and longing for something that they, they can't have uh, is, is, is ref- it's reflecting what the psalmist would say when, when he says, my body yearns for you, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thirst for you. And like I'm in a dry and a weary land. I'm in a desert. Where are you? I long for your presence. Mm-hmm. And like Jesus said, you know, someday the bridegroom is going to be taken away and you're going to mourn and you're going to long and you're going to fast. Uh, and so in those seasons of singleness, whether it's even single your whole life, you remember that the longing and the aching is part of the story. Um, but also I would say that we all have a sense of that incompleteness here on earth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've never met a married person who says, you know, I'm completely satisfied sexually and emotionally because I'm married. Right. Uh, you know, every marriage has this these aches, and yeah, yeah I'm getting a taste of what it is uh, mm-hmm. to pursue true intimacy. I'm getting a taste of what it is, uh, you know, th- what this is supposed to show me about God's love for me. But it's broken and it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've got to remember that we're all living in the shadow of what we eventually will experience with with Christ. And um, that's why I think conversations between single and married people are so important because it reminds us that marriage isn't the end all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a, a very uh, fallen metaphor mm-hmm. of the end all. 
And two, there is a yes, like with, um, you know, this whole like theology of, of no, like how for LGBT Christians who are submitting their sexuality to Christ or straight Christians who are not called to marriage, like just how, how they can feel like there's so much, so many no's if they're like, well, it feels like there's more no's for me than there are for you. And like, I, I, we, I appreciate when we had Branson Parler on recently and how he said there is a yes, a physical yes, uh, for all of us, but for single people too, and how they are more free to give of their bodies as living sacrifices to go and serve and do. And right now, like at the drop of a hat, like use their bodies to love and serve the church, which is such a beautiful example to those of us who are married and have kids. And like, this is our responsibility, but to watch others, single people bodily jump on planes and go serve in Africa and everywhere um, is, is a yes in this body of Christ. And so Mm. that I just want to emphasize too, for our single friends, it's not just a, like, you know, a sad, well, I mean, you have longing because then they're like, well, but, but, and it's like, no, there is yes. And actually there's some more yeses for you than there is for us often. And um, I'm sure we all have married friends who are just stare at unmarried people with this longing of like, if only I could jump on a plane and serve in Africa. So or if only I could just go see a movie without yes. asking my husband. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, I mean, you're absolutely right. There is there is a big yes yeah. um, when you're single. And that's important to know. You know, also the fact that, you know, Paul got this metaphor. He understood this better than any of us will because he wrote about it in Ephesians and other places. But yet he said, it's better for you not to be married because he understood that marriage was just the metaphor. Yes. Um, That sexual intimacy was just the metaphor. Mm. It's just, it's the teaser. It's the advertisement. It's the picture. It's not the real thing. Um, And so the bigger yes is also you know, I'm going to go beyond the metaphor. I want to experience the real thing mm-hmm. um, with my creator. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just get up and clap. That's mm-hmm. awesome. All right. Well, Julie, I think we could probably chat uh, all day about all these, like take all of these a bunch of different places. And I'm grateful for what you guys are doing and just partnering to build this kingdom of God in this specific area. So just thanks for being on with us today. Well, thanks for having me. And um, I look forward to continuing the conversation between our ministries and just being an encouragement to one another. So thanks for what you're doing. You are welcome. Uh, Before we sign off, I'll just uh, mention the question of the week for next week. So Matt and I are hopping on a plane with those two kids. And again, I was daydreaming today. I'm like, man, I love them so much. But flying with a three-year-old and a one-year-old F across the country is a bit tough, but we are grateful to do it. And Again, get to learn that endurance, but I'm going to be speaking at a women's conference and um, I, I can hear a lot of complaints from people sometimes just about the siloed nature. So like men's ministry, women's ministry, which we can do that. And so I want to hear, what do you guys think? Like what are, okay, what's some of the pain of those siloed places, but what's also the gift of those places? And so again, speaking at a women's conference, like I'm, I see the gift, but I would just love to hear both sides and let's, let's talk about that. Let's discuss that here. Um, and then two, next week, we actually don't have a guest for the first time in a while. And Matt and I are going to just be sharing some of what um, God has been teaching us in our our marriage. And so we're so grateful just for all of y'all's ongoing just support in your like, hey, thanks for your authenticity and thanks for walking with us as, as we walk with you. So just thanks, guys, for that. We'll talk about that more next week. 
Um, so thanks so much for listening. Uh, Julie, thanks for being here. For all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast today. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we're now on a number of platforms. All the links are on the podcast page at himhministries.com. And a couple ways you can help us reach more listeners, uh, your positive ratings and reviews in iTunes, and, you know, just good old word of mouth. Uh, Again, we want to thank today's guest, Julie Slattery. Her new book, Rethinking Sexuality, ships in July. You can pre-order and you can take a look at all Julie has to offer at AuthenticIntimacy.com. And like Lori said, we love hearing from you. You can email us at podcast at HIMHministries.com. We'll see you next week.